Hello my loves, welcome to Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting performers from the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. I've had a brief break from the podcast between lockdowns here in the UK and it gave me a chance to reflect a bit. And those of you that have listened before will have noticed I've now changed the name of the podcast to Tea with Kings and Queens to much better reflect the amazing performers that I'm lucky enough to chat to. So to that end, I'm delighted that in this episode, I'm chatting with drag king powerhouse Dandy Issues. We talk about digital drag, drag as creative therapy and the importance of community. We chatted via Zoom at the end of November 2020. Enjoy. So today's episode, I'm talking to performer, producer, Mr. Congeniality, the Bear Cub of Bournemouth, Dandy Issues. Hello. Hi, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Now, first things first, huge congratulations on last night. It was the top banana pageant and you won, I'm going to call it Mr. Congeniality. Yeah, the the proper title, I don't know if I can get away with calling it all the time and such. (laughs) Okay. It's a bit sweary. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so for anyone that missed this incredible uh, pageant, it was all on YouTube last night. Can you just tell us a bit more about it? So it was organised by Victoria Scorn and Auntie Ginger, who are two amazing queens. Um, and they basically put together this really camp competition digitally and such. It was a full on pageant. Um, we had like three categories we were being judged for. Um, they're not a uh, category, <laughs> uh, which was basically our congeniality round. We had a runaway. We had to do um, gone in a scorn or gone. I can't remember the actual word, but it's basically how many bananas we could eat in a minute. And then we had a talent round as well. And yeah, it was really good. It was really fun actually doing it. So I want to talk to you a lot about digital drag because you've done so much. But let's start with Dandy then. Tell me about him. What? How would you describe him? Because I've got my own thoughts. And where does he come from? I'm always interested like with where people get like their impression of Dandy. It's always like a funny one. Um, so Dandy... Um, is a bit of a funny one um because I start if we're going down like the how I started drag route if that makes sense um I didn't do it to be a performer so I started drag because I was going through a real rough time personally um 2018 to early 2019 was a rough year for me and um I just got out of this weird living situation so I kind of like did it as creative therapy. So like whenever I was feeling unsure of myself, I just painted my face because I was doing, I did like makeup and stuff back at uni and stuff like that. And um, it just kind of all escalated from there. So like I said, I use Dandy a lot to feel kind of where I'm going with like things. And as a result, to try and project that. Um, it's why I kind of say there's like multiple sides to Dandy because taking that and trying to make it in a performing element isn't actually what I would traditionally do. Now I've done things before where I used to do hosting jobs, like uh, not like that kind of hosting, like uh, summer camps. <laughs> so that's why you see me like when I do all my hosting jobs and like with Mr. Issues and such, and be like, all right, mate, yeah, listen, how you do it? Like that's kind of like this one element that I like to bring to camp because I do like camp stuff. It's really fun. <laughs> but um, there's this whole other side of when you get like dandy and like the leather and the harness, it's like that chance to be like, actually, this is me trying to work stuff out and project that. And I think for the most part, it works quite well because it kind of like takes people on the journey and it's like weirdly relatable, but also emotional and such. But like I said, there's lots of different elements to him. I feel like Dandy, depending on when you catch him, is always quite 
clear because it's like you see dandy in the bright suits you kind of know you're getting that host lively bubbly wanting you to feel welcome and such but when you see dandy in that <laughs> i say edgy element i've always described the edge being as edgy as panic as the disco <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think it's like i said it's a lot of like trying to show off those emotions you usually know what you're kind of getting with him regardless of how he's looking so do you think even in that short time it, it has helped you personally and in your sort of you know civilian oh, non-drag life yeah um so one of there was a lot of things going on in like that first year and such but um one of the things was like I felt like really disconnected from the community like the LGBT community I said this before but a lot of what I had to do was trying to blend into this straight culture and everyone wanted me to be straight and I was like always trying to find a way to like I say it's like fighting I don't know if it always was but it was always trying to find this way to like fit in and it wasn't like I didn't actually get to be queer like I didn't even go to a gay bar till properly like till I was like I'm like 26 now and I didn't go to a gay bar till I was like 25 literally so I was always had this weird disconnect and being able to go when I moved also in 2018 and it was like really lonely when I moved so and it was this thing where I'm quite femme out of drag normally and you go to a gay bar and you see a girl that's fair. He's like, oh, you're in sweet automatically. I thought, oh, she's a rude girl fan, you know. She's like, yes, queen work. And I'm like, oh God, please no. So <laughs> it's like when I kind of I, I was like, how can I go to these gay bars and have people kind of talk to me? Because it's really hard to make friends when you move and such. It's like you go somewhere and you don't know people. And it, so the idea was actually if you go and drag, someone's gonna talk to you. I mean, you look a bit funny and such, but so that's kind of why I did. I just started racking up to my local bar and a full beard and prayed that people didn't judge me too much. <laughs> well, it clearly worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what what made you then get up on stage that first time? Actually, it was Landon Cider winning. <laughs> mm. So um, I talk about this more later, probably, but um, I think visibility is a real big thing. And around the time I started performing, um we had some actually it was zach of all trades is our favorite person um zach of all trades won our local comp there was like oh because i knew drag kings before that but i didn't know it was like oh you can have drag kings in bournemouth and it's okay like i knew a few kings who had maybe been there before but they had all moved away so this is like a current king and doing it and then it was like i told myself on halloween when the drag the final if landon won i'm gonna go and perform and wow rest of history <laughs> So what was it like? How did you put that first performance together? It was great because I changed my number 24 hours beforehand. And there was oh, God. a video moment where I'm lip syncing the totally wrong words. Because <laughs> <laughs> I totally changed it and such, which I'm kind of glad about because I, I still want to do that at some point. So what was the first performance? Um, so I did it in the end to uh, Five Seconds of Summer Teeth because obviously I'm a drag queen, so I have to be sexy and cool. Well, actually, it's really funny because I say I'm sexy and cool. And literally, I think it was like my first two performances in my local bar. I actually kept on falling over. So there's like a great <laughs> footage of me, like my feet stuck in the air. And there's like fat lass just being like, wow. <laughs> so how did you feel after that performance then? Was it something you loved and just thought, I have to keep doing this? I felt connected with a community. Mm. I think that was the thing. Because people were like, oh, it's a king, you know, it's like relatively new. And you get people talking about you. Because I came, I, for my first, I uh, came second in both the comps, both times I entered. And then the third time I entered, I won. So it was like, 
this person came second you know yeah and it was like like I said I came from like not knowing anyone to talking to people and a, a lot of what I do is community based both in drag and out of drag it was nice to feel connected and talking to people more than anything and you said about London Cider and the importance of visibility of Kings. Mm. Um, so we've talked about this outside of podcast realm that, uh, you know, drag's mainstream now, yet Kings are still so underrepresented and underappreciated in popular culture. Why do you think that's still the case in 2020? I think it's a lot to do with the, um, it's that thing of like misogyny mm. and all the minority thing. Um, I think Kings and generally represent a minority now is that you get a lot of women doing drag you get a lot of trans men or non-binary people doing drag you get like people poc performers doing it and these are all like minority things and i don't think i think some venues do it consciously but i think there are some people who just don't even realize they're doing it mm. so like you're just not paying not not paying attention but just like you don't even realize you're not helping people you're putting up barriers before you even let the person in through the door and then everything you add on top of it whether it's like if you get like a poc king a poc disabled king or just any of these layers on top of it and such it just makes it harder for people to get that visibility but then when you have that visibility people respond well to it like like i said i started well actually it was Cock Monsieur who did it first in Bournemouth and then Zach came along and then my drag brother Well Hung came along and then it's like me and it's like I've got new kings already waiting to go when the bars reopen and we can do open nights in Bournemouth Mm -hmm. so having that visibility is really important but I don't think people give that or understand it and it's a conversation that people need to have but also be willing to understand I think one of the main barriers is people don't always want to learn and mm. if people are open to education, then it's great. People usually eventually get it, if that makes sense. Because I remember I had a chat with one of the local queens when I first started. Because she was like, I don't want to sound rude, or please don't take us the wrong way, but why are you wearing high heels if you're meant to be a man? And <laughs> it's not in a... I know, it was really through me afterwards, because it was like, what? And it's like, I don't mean in a bad way. I just don't know any kings. And it was like, and we had this chat. And then two minutes later, she was like, oh, totally get it when you're open to it you can have these conversations but if you kind of shut it down that's when it gets a little bit harder so I'd hope that um digital drag has sort of helped Mm. expand that platform a bit um both through being in shows and producing my own Mm. definitely think that um you it's kind of given the people no excuse not to do it or at least not to be conscious of making an effort of doing it What's it been like taking your own show and producing it digitally? What's that experience been like for you? This is God Save the Kings, by the way, which is like a mega, a mega show that everybody needs to check out in their lives. God Save the Kings was wild because we were the first UK digital drag king show. Like mm. there were others who were bigger and came about. We got in there super fast. Like I'm not, I don't even know how we did it, but we like... The lockdown went live on the Friday with the bars shutting. And then the following Friday, back in March, we had our first show. Um, oh. Yeah, it was it was wild. I organised a show in the week. I don't know how I did that. Yeah, that was my question. How? How? Is it just you? Um, 
at the start no because it was me <laughs> I called them the B team it was all the Bournemouth, there was a few of the Bournemouth kings all <laughs> helping me out um but after the second show it was mainly me yeah I um I do ask for help just people showing me stuff so like bless um Theresa May up in Newcastle she used to run the sickening show which was actually how I got involved that was like the first digital drag show I saw I, like my friend Baron LaVey is in it and um they invited me along to come along and see it and it was like yeah sure of course I'll tune in it was so much fun and like some of those queens I'm still talking to now even and like literally the next day I messaged Theresa be like can you just break this down for me a little bit because this is what we're thinking and bless her she did and um, yeah, we just took it from there and it just escalated, but it was really, cause I'm don't, like I said, I don't really, I, I think I prefer producing more than performing, but just because. Really? Yeah. Cause I like giving people opportunities actually. And um, it was really nice. Cause at its core, God Save the Kings was all about giving people opportunities and showing off the UK drag scene and such. So it was there for those who needed the money. But then there was people like me who were new performers or didn't get a chance to perform much. It meant that we could still do drag over lockdown where it wasn't possible. And then when the bars reopened, there was a lot of bars that weren't doing either open mic slots or just weren't open, even though some of the other cities were. So it was giving those kings a chance to perform as well. So, And what was the response to it? It was really good. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the lead up to that first show in particular I remember there was like Rue Girls retreating it and such and um, lots of people reached out afterwards saying it was really good and I'm hoping to bring it back in the new year. God Save the Kings was always it was really important to me that it was the UK's digital drag queen show it wasn't England's it wasn't like the Southwest, London's, Bristol, Birmingham's all of them have amazing scenes but are well-known scenes it was the UK so we had kings from Essex we had kings from like Liverpool and then we also it was really the first show we didn't get it done in time but that was just because we were trying to set it up but the second show onwards it was really important for me to get kings from Ireland, Scotland and Wales and it became a running joke that I couldn't find a Welsh king for a while but I knew they were out there and we do have it was only like in the last show I got like a whole catalogue of like Welsh kings and it was like really but um yeah but I wanted to make sure that everyone was being shown if that makes sense yeah and how's the whole experience changed you as a performer and maybe as a producer, even going digital? It gave me opportunities that I don't think I would have had otherwise. I think you usually, when you're in like, you see like the bigger cities and such, I think you get a lot of consistent opportunities, not always like from lots of gigs, but you just, you know, the places that you can perform, if that makes sense, or places which will book. And it's still hard to do it there, even as a king. But I think this one, so like I got to work, work in Birmingham. I've worked stuff digitally in like Liverpool. I've done stuff digitally stateside and such. Like it was able to get my name out there as a performer, which I don't think would have happened otherwise. I think I would have just stayed that small Bournemouth King in such a originally. Whereas now I feel like at least people know me within the community and such. And people, I have people sometimes coming up to me just being like, hey, can you give me a hand with this digital show and such? And it's like, yeah, sure, of course. So you're, you're mentoring new kings as well then? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I always say my DMs are open if anyone has any questions. I, like I said, I'm, I like community. I feel like, I think for me, one of the things I always promised myself was when I did this, I didn't want anyone to go back to like what I was doing, which was just sitting in my room, just feeling depressed and working on my own makeup and talking mm. to no one. 
so I always feel like I'm messaging new kings anyway like hey I like what you're doing or hey that looks cool and then it just like escalates because um they're not my drag sons because quite frankly I am too young to have a drag son and also with a name like dandy issues daddy issues I think that's not a good idea for me to have children <laughs> I have a couple of close friends who are like got into drag either because of me or um I was just really close with and such and it's like you're like my baby brother so like I have quite a few people who have been doing it for the same amount of time as me who are like my drag brothers but you guys are like you you missed the mark by a couple of months so now you count as a baby brother um so you said the inspirations for dandy are a lot about your yourself your experiences where else do you look for for inspiration from dandy or where else do you think it might come from um I think a lot of it comes from queer culture itself I've always said that uh, it's the tagline for me that Dandy is the love child of a bear and a twink after Bright and Pride and 20 night out and such after a very long night out <laughs> with a bit of gay nostalgia chucked in for bands. Somewhere between all that, I think there's an answer. Um, so yeah, I'd say like queer culture as a general is like some of the stuff I wear, I feel like is inspired by like the leather community and such. And also I would say that a lot of my, I don't know if inspiration, but I take huge respects for like the king the old school kings like Moby Dick who's just celebrated 25 years I've just done a show with them and that was like oh and like um Murray Hill was not a king anymore but they're just like a comedian who was really prominent in that circuit for a really long time back in the 90s and then like any king who's been doing it over like 10 years is like instantly like what I have a lot of inspiration for those guys and who do you enjoy watching I generally think I like to say I take inspiration from drag shows in general if we're going into specifics um, I've got a friend who's a Freddie Dolmer star Um, they were on my international show and god they always inspire I I literally just messaged them last night they did like an early 2000s show and their video just went up and it was like what is how are you this good and honestly, they're just like one of my favorite drag artists in general. And it's been really nice because we started at the same time and that's how we became friends because we both sat on live talking about what we want our drag to be. And then just in general, we disconnected because they're stateside. But then over lockdown, we've reconnected and it's been like so amazing to see their drag and what they've done. And they're doing so well for themselves as well. So like they've done these like really big Black Lives Matter gigs and stuff. And I'm just so proud of them. And so it's like... <laughs> Can you see after lockdown and all of this ridiculousness is over and sort of we're back in bars and clubs again, getting to see drag live, do you think this will have hopefully boosted um, the profile of Kings and we'll get to see more of them on a variety of bills live? Because digitally now, it's nice to see so many more Kings being included in general entertainment shows. Do you think that will transfer over into real life? hope so Mm. I think I think this year would have been a very especially with having Landon won I think 2020 in general was always going to be a very special year for Kings and I just generally hope it transfers over you see it in the larger cities all the time this is me being outside of looking in so like the bigger cities like Birmingham God love Kings and things they do the Lord's work ladies (laughs) sorry Big up Christian Gay and Victor there. Love you guys. Like <laughs> they, they do the Lord's work and making sure the kings get represented and such. And like you see it in like London, Edinburgh and Scotland as well, Glasgow with Shut Up and King. You see it there. I just hope 
that the smaller venues in like the places that you might not traditionally think of having a king actually realizes hey there's actually quite a few talent and if they all kept to their word and post and actually casts after they've posted about the black lives matter including diversity and all that sort of stuff will be well away i've got a big question to ask you all right <laughs> if i may go on um, I heard Max Pleasure talking about how mindful he is um, of being accidentally furthering toxic ideas about masculinity. So, for example, when he started, he always had like a sexy girl to grind on until he realised that actually this could be misconstrued by my audience members. I wondered what you thought of that whole concept. Do you have to be mindful about how you represent masculine ideas? I think we as performers have to be mindful of the stuff we're putting out. Um, personally, I've never really enjoyed the toxic masculinity stereotype within my drag. I, like I said, I'll pick on queer culture and I'm sorry, any cis, straight, white gays, I probably am going to rip into you at some point, <laughs> but it's not an element I feel confident in delivering myself. There are some kings I've seen who do it amazingly and they're really funny and I think they choose this sense of satire with being funny but also calling it out at the same time like I can think of some really good kings who do that but I don't think it's something I've done personally but I think we as performers in general need to be mindful of what we put out there because yeah that stuff can further harm uh, like toxic mass it further encourages or makes people think it's okay when actually it's not it was like when we all as a community said everyone assumed that the word fishy was okay and actually it was like no it's not and no one's actually talking about it but we're all just playing along if that makes sense but it was only when we had the people start and saying like actually we should maybe be mindful of this if that makes sense that's a good point that's a good point actually because when I first heard Max say that I immediately thought well to me drag is parody so if I saw something I would just assume it was deliberately highlighting it as an issue but I think you're right there's a there's a fine line sometimes um, yeah like I said I I'm trying to think of kings who do it well I feel like kings like Brent Wood and Richard Energy do it really well with playing into yes masculine yes. types yes, but yes, yes. Both always have a punchline after it which calls it out at the same time which I think if you can do it I think it's really good I think it is funny but like I said it was never an element of drag that I ever felt confident in delivering if that makes sense yeah yeah interesting so what's next for you what's next for dandy what can we look forward to even if we're all still stuck indoors what can we watch <laughs> a nap i think the next thing is gonna have a nap. <laughs> i don't blame you i'm gonna have a finally have a good i'm gonna have a nap i'm gonna have a break um no i'm not actually i wonder if i ever had a break um my next plans um i am sort I, i've just had a really busy week so obviously i've just done top banana i did the cup of tea with tina d which was a drag king special i've just done the international panel and such so yes i'm having like a few days off because i've been editing digital drag behind the scenes as well um so where can we find you dandy (laughs) online probably (laughs) 
Um, you can find me on Instagram at dandy.issues. I am always on dandy.issues. If you don't like me, you can still find me on Instagram as dandyissues, but I'm the boldest white guy who likes whiskey a little bit too much, but don't tell him I sent you there. <laughs> um, um, in terms of shows, um, I am about digitally quite a lot over December. I'm doing Wonder Pride, which is uh, Minus Cox local pride and such. He's a Welsh king, surprisingly, found one. Um, um, you can find me at United Queens. I'm doing Slay Queen Slay. I'm doing a wonderful parody song of Mary Lesmus. I hope you all enjoy that one. Um, I'm going to be announced for Dida Ritz's um, Chicago show from Drag Race USA, um, season four, I think it was. Wow. Um, he is doing a Drag King special. So it's me, Baron LeVay, Fran Sparkly Pants. They're really like the UK rapping kings in it. We've got some really cool people like uh, Max Pleasure, Tenderonis in it and such. And just some more amazing. Honestly, I love the Chicago drag scene so much. I was like gooped when I got this kick. So that's um, incredible yeah so I'm really excited for that one and such so and then towards the end I haven't got some set dates yet but I'm doing some work with the president of Oxford Drag Society as well well I can't wait and thank you so much just for entertaining me for so long since lockdown started and I, I can't wait and I can't wait to see you live once we can do that all again as well nobody will have me well, thank you <laughs> thank you for having me Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.